Welcome back to Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by a millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health and social problems facing our nation. I'm your host, Abigail Mellon. As I'm sure all of you know, the 2016 Olympic and Paralympics Games start this week in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. There has been a lot of hype about these games, but mostly you've heard about the possibility of transmission of the Zika virus to both athletes and visitors. The World Health Organization in February labeled the Zika virus, which is a mosquito-borne sexually transmitted disease, as a global health emergency. Zika has been linked to several birth defects, including microcephaly, and the CDC has warned pregnant women against traveling to any of the 47 countries plagued by the epidemic. More than 150 public health workers and scientists also signed an open letter to WHO Director General Margaret Chan, urging her to push for a postponement of the games in light of the outbreak or to advocate for a new location. This letter was dismissed with the WHO saying that changing the location would not affect the international spread of Zika and recommending visitors to use a condom when having sex to guard against transmission. Another suggestion is to abstain from sex during the games and the following four weeks to avoid transmitting the virus to their partner. Hmm, okay. Athletes are dropping out of the games like flies. Or mosquitoes? Bad pun? Sorry. However, a study released by the Yale School of Public Health this week found that even if Olympic tourists lived under the same conditions as local Rio residents, aka without air conditioners and screened hotel windows, only about 80 would catch Zika and only 16 of those would feel symptoms. For a moment of context, as many as 500,000 tourists from 206 countries are expected to travel to Rio for the Games. But you guys know about Zika. It has gotten a whole lot of press, and I've mentioned the political stunts that that in Congress have prevented Zika prevention legislation from being passed to help stop the spread of the virus. So I'm actually not going to focus on that virus today. While Zika is a main worry for the athletes opting to drop out, there are other components at play. In fact, Sidney Levy, CEO of the Rio Organizing Committee, said in June that keeping athletes and visitors safe from terrorism and other crime was his number one priority. Zika wasn't even in his top 10 concerns, which is concerning in itself if an international health emergency is not among your top issues. On the safety issue, there have been reports that two Paralympic athletes from Australia were robbed and a New Zealand athlete was kidnapped and robbed by the police. Levy has expressed worries about water pollution, saying that Rio failed on its promise to clean 80% of it by the Olympics. Rio's Guanabara Bay is so polluted that Olympics organizers plan to have helicopters scanning the water for floating garbage. In 2015, the Associated Press released the results of two investigations based on independent water quality testing. And what did they find? That in certain venues, Olympic athletes are, quote, almost certain to come into contact with disease-causing viruses that in some tests measured up to 1.7 million times the level of what would be considered hazardous on a Southern California beach. That report was in July of 2015. In December, in a follow-up investigatory piece, the AP found that the city's Olympic waterways are as contaminated with pathogens far away from the shore as they are closer to land. 
This is straight up crap. Not crap as in lies, crap as in raw sewage floating to the bay from polluted rivers and storm drains. Meaning that none of this is diluted as it goes to the bay or lagoon where Olympic athletes are currently practicing and will compete. And the risk is equal no matter where in the water you are. Just three teaspoons of this water, if consumed, will lead to a 99% chance of infection. And most recently, Valerie Harwood, chair of the Department of Integrative Biology at the University of South Florida, told the Associated Press that the main takeaway for athletes and tourists alike is don't put your head underwater. essential part of Rio's bid for the Games was a promise to clean the bay. And in 2011, the state received $452 million in international funding for that effort, which was on top of almost $800 million also from international sources in the 1990s. The money in the 1990s came from the Inter-American Development Bank and the Japan Bank for International Cooperation, with a plan to treat the water entering daily into Guanabara Bay. Of course, this plan failed. When the money had dried up, Rio and its surrounding cities were only left with new but barely functioning treatment plants and an unfinished network of underground pipes leading to and from them. The failure of this project was attributed to institutional weakness. And today, with the game starting in just a few days, at most only half the sewage that flows towards Guanabara is treated. That's the official estimate from the people who have failed to meet their stated goal of 80%. Others scoff and say that the real number is more like 20 or 30%. Antibiotic-resistant superbacteria have been found in the bay, and they're from a strain that's associated with sewage and can cause lethal infections. Rio's pollution problems are pretty new and began with oil refineries in the 1950s. Today's issues are mostly attributed to unrestrained growth over the past couple of generations, including in the favelas, also known as slums. And sanitation and other infrastructure just couldn't keep up. After the project from the 1990s failed to solve Rio's pollution problems, they went back to the Inter-American Development Bank when they won the Olympic bid. And thus began the birth of the idea to increase the amount of sewage treated from 11% to 80%. This included the creation of the Environmental Sanitation Program for the Guanabara Bay Area, or PSAM. Of the second installment of money from the IDB, about $59 million of the total has been spent thus far. Today, Brazil is trying to modernize its sewer system. They're connecting all of the packed houses with pipes that bring in clean water and take away waste to treatment plants, but it is proving to be both logistically and financially daunting. No surprise there that a major infrastructure change is really difficult. But with this infrastructure must come a little bit of social change as well. As it stands now, citizens of Rio literally see the river as where they put their trash and sewage. There's no systematic trash collection, so they put it wherever they can. Are you reflecting on how much you take your trash and recycling bins for granted? Because I sure am. know that raw sewage flows not only from rivers to the ocean in Rio, but also through pipes that feed all the untreated sewage for Rio's southern portion out 4,300 meters to sea. That sounds really, really gross, but it's actually not that unusual. 
All over the world, raw sewage often is siphoned into bodies of water. Many cities rely on these kinds of pipes, called marine outfalls, to handle sewage, and 4,300 meters is fairly long as far as outfalls go. Boston discharged untreated sewage until 1952, when the city's first sewage treatment plant was built. San Diego also discharges sewage directly into the water with primary treatment, which basically only filters out the solids. The home of the 2000 Summer Olympic Games, Sydney, Australia, has several outfalls that rely on primary treatment alone. Spoiler alert! Remember that scene in Finding Nemo when he escapes through the pipes and makes his way back to sea where the crabs try to eat him? Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Until the late 1990s, Brussels, Belgium, dumped all of its sewage directly into the River Seine, rendering the water quality, quote, comparable to that of sewage, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And just recently, Montreal dumped 2 billion gallons of untreated sewage into the St. Lawrence River so it could repair old pipes. The difference between Rio and other developed countries is that the beaches are connected to canals and stormwater drains, which have more raw sewage than such waterways typically do in developed countries. And rain sends even more sewage through to the water, making it have extra high amounts of fecal bacteria after a storm. Similarly, in Tokyo, which plans to have the Summer Olympics in 2020, sewers max out and spew sewage into the ocean without treatment when it storms. They're treating more sewage than in Rio, but they still got 99 problems, and sewage is a lot of them. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Find Generation Invincible online on our Tumblr page. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and share with your friends. Until next time, in the words of Barry Commoner, who was a leading ecologist and among the founders of the modern environmental movement, environmental pollution is an incurable disease. It can only be prevented. Thank you.